0: Hello, this is Real Estate Insights, the podcast from Savills that tackles every issue facing the property world. Today, we're going shopping to explore the shift in retail around Europe from multi-channel to omni-channel. So the simple fact of more online retail spending creates
1: more demand for warehousing space. But at the same time, it's disrupting the whole real estate market.
0: And we're asking whether Europe's developers and investors are ready for the new
2: world property investors and developers are more than likely going to have to get comfortable with building buildings in places that they haven't had to before.
0: I'm Guy Ruddle, and joining me with their virtual shopping baskets at the ready are Douglas van Oers, who's co-head of logistics and industrial for Savills in the Netherlands, where he was awarded number one broker last year. Douglas, congratulations. Thank you very much, Guy. Glad to be here. And Marcus de Minkvitz is a director in Savills' European cross-border investment team, which looks not just across the continent, but up and down the retail chain. So it's sort of X-axis and Y-axis, Marcus. Exactly. And yes, thank you for having us. And Kevin Moffat is Savile's Head of Industrial Research. And trust me, nobody knows more about this area than Kevin. Welcome, Kevin. Nice of
2: you to say so. Thank you very much. So let's start. Kevin,
0: um, I think we all know that online shopping which is changing everything, and, and, and there's more and more and more of it. But, but uh, is it a sort of what we expect it to be, or is it changing
2: itself as well? Uh, good question. I mean, it's what's staggering is the the evolution of how this has grown so quickly. Twelve years ago, nobody wanted to speak to me. You know, talking about warehouses and and, and industrial real estate, it it was really you know on nobody's agenda. And that's when online retail in the UK was about four percent of of total retail. Online retail now is twenty one percent of all retail uh, in the UK, and it's had a huge impact. It's causing a bit of a double whammy. You've got the online retail retailers growing and taking more warehouse space, but then you've got the traditional retailers reacting, getting their supply chains in order, and also that's having a a bit of an impact on their retail uh, footprint as well.
0: And we're talking around Europe, so
2: is Europe sort of, is the tide rising evenly or are different countries doing different things? No, it's it's not rising evenly at all. We've done some work in the research team at Savills and we looked back to 2012, which was when the level of take-up for, for warehouses started to increase dramatically. That's when online retail was 11% in the UK. What we've noticed across Europe is that there's a whole host of countries just on the very Tipping point of reaching that eleven percent as well. So the Netherlands, Sweden, to to name a few, France, Germany has already passed that level. What's really interesting though is across Europe, it's a it's a really different picture by by country. In some countries, some product categories, nearly all of it is is online. Um, clothing in Germany, you know, is a, is, a, is a good example for that. Whereas food um, in places like Spain and Italy you know, just really hasn't penetrated in terms of online spend yet.
0: And this 11% sort of tipping point, Marcus, which seems to have a big impact on, on the way the whole logistics things work, when, when you look across the, the Europe, like, uh, uh, sort of adding to what Kevin's just said, it, it, where, where's next? Where's, where's coming up to that point?
1: Everyone's talking about the UK, which is, you know, an amazing case study, and it's reached the highest levels in the world of online sales as a proportion of total sales. But actually, if you look at the percentage of the population, that shop online, it's only sixth in Europe. Germany's fifth. Netherlands is first. You know, really? Over 90% of the population shopped online in the last 12 months.
0: Does it feel Sorry, does it feel like that, Douglas, in, in, when, when you're in Amsterdam or anywhere else in the Netherlands? Does it feel like you're sort of at the vanguard of
3: online? It definitely does because we, I mean, everybody in the Netherlands, everybody has access to the internet. It's, it's, it's a relatively small country if you compare it to UK, France, Germany. The distribution lines are very short, and there's there's a lot of local Dutch online retailers who who have become very big players.
0: To Marcus's point that you know, the UK is a, a, an exemplar, if you like. Is that what's happening in in, in your market? Are, are people looking at the UK and saying, "Well, that's what happened there, so we need to, we can learn from that, and we can we can take those lessons and be quicker and better at it than than others."
3: Well, I definitely think the UK is a, is is definitely, as Marcus said, a good case study for what we will expect in the Netherlands. I mean, as as Marcus said, the total online uh, usage by people is the highest in Europe, although as a percentage of the total retail sales, we're only at around, just below 11%. And with with Kevin saying, listen, in the UK it's already 21, it just shows the massive growth potential there still is. And as the Netherlands being a very small country, but definitely very big in importance for it being the gateway to Europe for a lot of a lot of companies, with a lot of products coming uh, out of Asia, obviously, coming in through the Rotterdam Harbour, and then having to be moved through the Netherlands to to find the German hinterland and the rest of Europe.
1: And that's the other interesting bit for Europe, is obviously the UK is is waterlocked. So Europe, you've got to think of the impact of other countries and e-commerce growth in somewhere like Germany for then how that might impact the Dutch market. So there are now half a dozen Amazon warehouses in Poland, all servicing German demand, because labour costs are a third in Poland of what they are in Germany. So it's looking at those dynamics and how that plays through. But the interesting bit really for us is that the simple fact of more online retail spending creates more demand for warehousing space. But at the same time, it's disrupting the whole real estate market. So actually, real estate is losing from the change to online are shopping in traditional stores, we would typically, as a retailer, you would spend about 5% of your sales on rent. For logistics, you're spending about 1% of costs on rent. So the more that we're skipping out the store, at the moment, less rent is actually coming into the real estate sector as a whole.
2: There's a there's a great stat from Prologis, one of the uh, largest owners of warehouse real estate in the world. Um, and back in 2015, they did a study um, that estimates that for every extra billion euros spent online, we actually need 775,000 square feet of extra warehouse space. Now, again, if we look at the UK as a case study, if we take last year um, about uh, and look at how much warehouse space was actually transacted and how much of that was actually by online retailers, um, there is an argument to say that actually that that Prologist study from, from almost five years ago now is actually on the conservative side and actually we're underestimating the amount of warehouse space um, we actually need across Europe to service this demand that's coming.
0: So let's talk for a minute about different types of warehouse space because I, I think I mentioned earlier that we are, are we, we're shifting right from multi-channel online retail or multi-channel relay t- retailing to omnichannel channel retailing just can can you explain that very briefly what what we mean by that yeah sure so if you think traditionally
1: you had one channel of sales normally through your store now as technology's improved and as the internet's come in there are now multiple channels for retailers to sell their goods to their consumers. And they were then quite separate. So we often found in the UK that you'd have your store team competing with your online team where, in fact, they're serving the same consumer. Now, the challenge for the retailers is to f- make that omnichannel, where all of those different channels are integrated. So you've got your stores talking to your online teams. You've got them working between each other. So the stores are great for merchandising. They're great for upselling. Click and collect is a major piece for consumers to buy on the internet to pick up in the store. But when they're conflicting against each other, then that doesn't provide for an efficient business.
0: So, so does that affect... The, ty- the type of warehouse space that that we need in the future. Douglas, are, are, do you have clients in the Netherlands saying we need a different type of warehouse space?
3: Uh, for sure. I think <clears throat> in the past, people thought of warehouses as being large boxes with maybe five guys on a forklift driving around, moving stuff around. What we see nowadays, I mean, the big, the big online retailers with their warehouses... It's not just the warehouse they need. They're they're talking about automation, uh, robotics, but also the amount of people that that nowadays work in a warehouse are 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 massive. I mean, for Amazon, most of the warehouses. I mean, they're looking at the Netherlands. They might need a warehouse there, and they're talking about at least fifteen hundred people, which in shifts would work there. Um, which which gives you also a different layout of the plans, but also it it, it has different demands in in terms of height. What's height got to do with it? Height's really important because as you as you
2: install more robotics um, uh, and warehouse automation, you want to maximise the the cube of of this uh, of, of the warehouse that you've uh, that you've built. Um, so so people are putting in three or four levels of, of mezzanine. What that what that creates a need for it has a kind of a it has two really important property impacts. One is actually the fabric of the building. So developers need to be thinking about, you know, actually is the floor capable of of handling this? Um, Also, you're going to have to think about the energy um, that this type of building needs. Um, uh, you know, We've been involved in some, some warehouse schemes, maybe about a million square feet um, that employ 5,000 people, have 4,000 robots running around, and they use as much energy in a year um, as about 10,000 three-bedroom homes. So what that means is that property investors and developers are more than likely going to have to get comfortable with building buildings in places that they haven't had to before because the people who are operating these buildings need factors that aren't available in the traditional prime property markets.
1: And I think building on that as well is that you've got to think that the warehouse space is now just becoming part of the retail supply chain. So we, we've seen in the UK that over the last five years, two thirds of take up has been essentially from the retail sector. And therefore, it's all about servicing the consumer so various kind of metrics if you're on a um, ao.com so big white goods buying online they reckon that the, the decision to buy is being done in 30 seconds so then really your experience is how quickly after that initial 30 seconds is the good in your doorstep yeah and that is when the supply chain comes in and how important it is then for the retailers to be successful
0: It occurs to me that you guys are the rock stars of the, of the property world, all of us. How did that happen?
3: Well, funny, you know? out, funny enough, nobody actually realizes the actual need of the supply chain behind all these websites. I mean, in for example, the Netherlands, we have a lot of – in recently we have a lot of articles about people complaining about how every piece of land which is still available is being built on with boxes and, and – people calling them ugly, which I think is not true, but that might just be me. Um, but nobody understands that, that we need them to to make sure that the demand that's there and the supply chain behind it can be facilitated.
2: If you think about you know, this is a UK-specific stat, but the same stat will be broadly true across Europe I, You know, in terms that we need to build more homes. We need to build 300,000 new homes in the UK a year. 300,000 new homes is 300,000 new delivery addresses. Um, and we really need to consider the infrastructure that, that supports that level of house building. And, and that's true across Europe as well. And
0: Douglas, when you were talking about the problems in, in the Netherlands of big boxes, which may or may not be ugly. Is, is, it, is, it, is what you do in a warehouse changing as well? Is, is, you know, I know we're talking about getting higher, but do we still need, for instance, lots of space in a warehouse or things moving more rapidly?
3: Uh, well, yeah, because I think the demand for for delivery times, in, if you look at the past years, have, have shortened immensely. I mean, in the past, we were fine with waiting a few days for a product to be delivered. And now all of a sudden... The, the amount of people having amazon prime can 't even wait over an hour to have their product delivered which which causes the supply chain to become totally different i mean especially in cities like like london um, you 're going to see warehouses more built in the city just be, to to get to the to make sure that you can get the products there in time in the netherlands it 's a little different we've we've usually done a research report about it i mean the netherlands is relatively small and the towns are quite close to each other. It's not so congested as in, as in other major European cities, which causes uh, the Netherlands to be a little different where we see definitely warehouses being built in locations where they in the past weren't. But now, because they are within an hour's reach of most large cities, these are locations which are now becoming more and more attractive.
0: I get the sense that we're going to have to come and do this whole thing again in in about six months and then in six months after that and then in six months after that because it's changing so fast. Yeah, it's amazing.
1: I mean, we went out to America for a week uh, about a month ago just to think, well, the Americans seem to lead the way on most things. So let's go and learn what they're doing. What's different? You know, what, what mature trends have they seen come through? They're still guessing. You know, they still say that Amazon are guessing. Most of the third-party logistics providers are guessing. Now, obviously, they're a little bit more intelligent than that, but they don't know how it's going to evolve. And the biggest thing, and the slightly scary thing then, is data and how much these companies are learning about you. Once they learn about you, then they can create a more efficient supply chain. But right now, they're having to hold so much stock in so many different places to deal with our unpredictability as
0: consumers, and it's just creating so much demand. Yeah fascinating and it will be fascinating when we talk about it in six months time or, yeah. or whenever we do now savile standout statistic i think you were all warned about having to come up with a savile standout statistic just something that makes you think gosh wow and uh, might make do the same for other people uh douglas what about you why don't why don't you go first have you got a, have you got a dutch one for us
3: i've got a very dutch one so i've been speaking to to Kevin and Marcus a lot. And uh, currently our vacancy rate in Prime Logistics in Netherlands is around 4%, um, while we're almost reaching the 11% tipping point, which we spoke about. Um, and as I understand, in the UK, when they reached the 11% tipping point, their victory was at 12 which wow. kind of scares you in, in what is about to happen in Netherlands.
0: Yeah. Gosh, blimey. Oh, I, I sort of wish I hadn't asked. Uh, Marcus. So building on that, I think the whole point of
1: this is rental growth. You know, supply and demand dynamics, rental growth is coming. Most forecasting houses at the moment across Europe are predicting 1%. In the UK, there isn't a sub-market of the small to medium box uh, industrial sector where we haven't seen less than 20% over the last five years. So in Europe, we must be forecasting with vacancy rates like that much, much more aggressive rental growth than is being told at the moment.
2: Kevin? Kevin? Something slightly different, but something I heard at a conference recently. Um, So the status is less than two seconds. That is the attention span a millennial has if they're ordering clothes on a online uh, app. Um, So you have have less than two seconds to crystallize the sale. So that means that in two seconds, um, the product has been ordered and then needs to be, uh, maybe in less than, less than five minutes later, needs to be winging its way around a warehouse i don't like this world i want to get off (laughs) guys it's been fascinating thank you all very much for for
0: being here i was really really fascinating stuff that's it for this episode of real estate insights if all that's done is whet your appetite for more you could do worse than heading off to the research section of the savils website savils.co.uk slash research there's lots more information and all sorts of reports there that uh, that will help you and if you aren't already a subscriber to the real estate insights podcast which kevin you are i gather i am yes excellent you too you need to get subscribing if you aren't already a subscriber then please do you can do it using your usual podcast provider and you can leave us a review if you like as long as you're nice about douglas and kevin and marcus you can say what you like about me thank you very much for listening see you next time
3: this podcast is for general information only and should not be considered professional advice Savills accepts no liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect or consequential loss arising from the use of, reference to or reliance on this podcast or its content. Savills makes no warranty as to the accuracy of the information in this podcast. This podcast and all copyright in this podcast is the property of Savills and it shall not be used, reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without Savills' prior written consent.